You're listening to the Pursue God Family Podcast, the official channel for marriage and parenting topics at PursueGod.org. Join Tracy and Brian Dwyer every week as they talk about living biblically in an increasingly secular world. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash family. Well, hey, couples, today we're on once again with Josh and Katie, and guys, we're finally finishing up this series that's connected to your book, New Marriage, Same Couple. We've been talking through these principles, this, you know, the, the acronym Josh that only a preacher could come up with, stay. <laughs> Start with me, we talked about in lesson one. Take quitting off the table, we talked about in lesson two. Allow others to be a part of your story, we talked about just the last time. And today we're finishing up by talking about yielding to vision. And this one might be my favorite one because I'm a big mm-hmm. vision guy. I think it's important in business and at church and in your marriage. So Katie, maybe let's start with this. What is vision? Yes. So you, just like you just said, you know, you, but most of us as professionals, we understand that we need to have a direction. We need to have it written down. Habakkuk 2 tells us to write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that the people can run. And any leader knows that you're not going to have people with you if they don't know where they're going. You know, and I think about even in the the small team that I lead, I have to set vision for them around everything, every task that we're doing, every challenge, um, every new obstacle. And I think oftentimes in our marriage, we forget that we have to set set a vision together. We have to know where we're going. It's going to help us face so many challenges. It's going to help us do the hard thing sometimes, mm-hmm. not just the easy thing. And um, and give us why behind what we're doing and bring this unity together. So it's one of my favorite parts of the series too, because I do love futuristic thinking and visionary, but Josh, he's an incredible how person. You know, I like to say kind of the what, and we can use a lot of phrases that we'll talk about when it comes to vision, but he's really good at also helping us take action steps towards it. Yeah. And my, my, for me, vision tends to be more task related. And I think it's where Katie within our home, like, you know, the idea of having goals and reviews and visionary direction at work is very normal. Home tends to be the place that you, you land and rest Mm -hmm. and retreat and not a place that you build, you know, like who are we becoming? Where are we going? And Katie's very much helped with that in terms of our marriage and family. But I think in terms of what's vision, the season that I come back to for us was college because we didn't even know we were doing it necessarily, but it was almost second nature. We were we were dreaming about building this life together. You know, mm-hmm. I think maybe our second date, we talked about marriage. You know, I went home mm-hmm. and told my roommate after the first date, I'm going to marry that girl. And like mentally, we started laying tracks of what would life look like. And pretty quickly, we both love missions, thought like, man, we want to be school teachers. She was a guidance counselor. I was going to be a social studies teacher. We'll work with students throughout the year. In the summer, we're going to live abroad and host missions teams. Our kids can grow up with a global worldview. We wanted two llamas <laughs> named Larry and Leona. <laughs> you know, like As soon as you start naming imaginary llamas, you know, it's like, and so I think in a, in a lot of ways, vision is, is dreaming together when it comes to your relationship and, and really starting to build into who do we see us becoming? What does that life look like, feel like, mm-hmm. you know, those those kind of things? Yeah, and then life happens, right? 
So punch you in. What does <laughs> Mike Dyson says? Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and I think we started having kids, and it was like, uh-huh. oh wow, oh, that's that part's not going to work. Or that, and so many couples do that. You know, you're dreaming together in those early days, but then as life goes, you start surviving together at yep. some point, and you're just doing what the day is bringing you, and you can't even dream beyond that. You know, and so um, this this aspect of vision is to help you do that again, help you dream once again, you know, um, once life has kind of taken some different turns. Yeah. So Josh, I got to ask, did you ever get the llamas? <laughs> you know, we actually did. We just got a, a uh, stuffed animal version that uh, I, I talked about <laughs> vision in a message one weekend at church and, and just how life kind of what Katie said, as you get older, the plan changes, but we've always talked, still talked about those llamas as kind of this visionary figure of, we know how to do this together, this, this visionary thing. And so I, uh, a woman at church brings me this gift and it's one big stuffed brown llama and a white llama. And so our, our six-year-old every now and then will run through the house, daddy, I found Larry. I have your stuffed animal. Here's your llama. (laughs) (laughs) So we we do have the stuffed animal version. And we've come to see, man, those things are kind of gross. They slobber all over the plow. I don't want no llama. That was just a dream. (laughs) I don't even know nothing about llamas. I think you made the right decision. Get a stuffed llama, not not the real thing. That's right. Exactly. So, and Josh, for you know, it's interesting for you because in chapter eleven in the book you talk about this, you know, a new adventure just around mm-hmm. the corner. And I think it's interesting because for listeners who've been with us through this series, I think you would say Katie's the adventurous one, right? So adventure is not so much your word; that's more Katie's word. So talk about that for, from your perspective. Yeah, so I would say you know, and and this season for us. It was a a very the broken season, yeah, tender season, and that mm. uh, when you strip everything else away the the possessions, the job, the status, like the stuff that you might have been running after in your personal and professional lives, or dreams or visions that you have for yourself, even if you didn't lo- lose use that language, everything else was stripped away to where I realized like uh, the only vision I care about is us finishing together. Because if I get the job, build the house, do all the stuff without her, then it's been for not, it's going to break our family, our kids, you know, so, so from a very basic level, vision got really, really plain and clear of like us together as a starting point. And so, Mm -hmm. but we were still in a tough time of rebuilding of her just being my friend, you know? And so I was trying to think back to like, Mm -hmm. okay, when you've drifted, when you've stopped having vision, when you're starting from a broken place or a tough place, what is, what does that look like? And so there came a point where, um, I needed a a new car. We had only had one car, you know, doing all the back and forth, taking her to work, me with kids, all the stuff. And so I was still unemployed picking up odd jobs, but it just seemed like the perfect time to buy my dream car. (laughs) And so, or not, I would not advise that for anyone, but I found it on eBay and, uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, I was like, man, that'd be great. We can get a one-way flight. Uh, we'll drive up, see the Grand Canyon. We've never seen that. I'll get Katie in the car with me for four days. Uh, she'll love me, right? By the time we get back <laughs> home, that'll be a great experience together. <laughs> and so we fly out there, pick up the car, and uh, drive north. Don't really have a clue where we're going. This is like pre-smartphones. And uh, I think we had a Rand McNally book, right? Following this map up, where are we going? And 
driving. There's massive trees on both sides of this narrow road, like nothing pretty when you're looking into the forest. It's just trees for as far as you can see on this straight road. We're trying to get to the Grand Canyon before sunset. I'm not really even sure where we are. I start seeing signs for a turn in the road. At right as the you know, sun is starting to set, I knew timing was close. And we round this corner, man. And I'm telling you, it was like, went from nothing pretty, a bunch of trees, to riding this rim of the canyon right as the sun was setting. And as soon as we rounded the corner and the scenery changed so drastically, God spoke to me there and said, that's how quickly your story can change. And I think I had been living on hope, like intellectual hope, belief that God can do this. God wants to do this. But the truth is I was weary. Like I was, I was scared. Um, I, my, my hope kind of had hope fatigue, if that's the thing, you know, just mm-hmm. getting tired of waiting and I wasn't going anywhere. I was going to work, but man, I was just down and tired, but God speaking to me and the vision that view being so radically different, man, I'm telling you, I woke up every morning from that day on, like with, with an eye crack to Katie of like, is this going to be the day? Or when she got home from work, was this the day? I just knew, man, God can speak to her in a moment and, and it's going to be a whole new story, but it, it reignited in me, not just a desire to build together or a desire to stay together, but an expectation and anticipation of like, he's going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and in a moment, the, the story can change entirely. Mm-hmm. So Josh, at this point for you, were you, were you, were you more in it than Katie was? Is that, is that what you're saying? Is that this was even for you when you say hope fatigue that, you know, you're more of the kind of stick to it loyalty guy and Katie's the adventurous one. So was this, was this at, still in that season where where sh- she even still needed to get vision, not just you? Yeah, I think so. And and I remember in that time, you know, she she had committed to stay. She wasn't going to leave. It was just a matter of her heart and emotions catching up with her commitment mm-hmm. because emotionally she wasn't there. We didn't have that that flirty flirty fun, you know dynamic going at the time, even though she had committed to being there. And so I am, in a lot of ways, even with this trip, trying to reorient myself to prioritize vision at home. I remember I met with a mentor regularly, and he had me doing goal setting just as leadership development. And it was the most foreign concept. I was like, well, I don't have a job. He was like, no, I want us to set some goals for home. And and I remember in that season, one of my goals, because I really had to think about it, like, what is what does that look like? And so one of my goals was being mentally present, not just physically present. And we came up with some behaviors around what that looked like. And he would hold me accountable to it. But I remember times where I'm home, I'm throwing the ball, I'm making the dinner, but I was still processing work stuff or still working through a message or, you know, I just, I wasn't being fully there. So I think for Katie and I in that season, this, this whole trip and even my my fatigue, I was trying to flex a new muscle of what is it going to look like for us to build here together? Mm-hmm. What does it look like for us to create new experiences, create shared vision, create, you know, build a new marriage and, mm-hmm. and not just, it's so easy to default back to kind of the point of reference of a, a time when you, when you felt something with each other, felt something for each other to try to re-embody that. But the thought of God 
building a new marriage just meant like, man, we've got to, in a lot of ways, let go of the old and, and not try to grasp for any point of familiarity and, and really let him do a new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because I look back on that time and, you know, especially after a betrayal, an affair, if anybody's struggled with an addiction, you're coming out of this season of just desperation. I don't know if any listeners have ever been addicted to something, but I have because I've smoked cigarettes since I was like 14 until I got saved. (laughs) But, you know, when you are smoking cigarettes, you think about them all the time. And when you quit, you're thinking about them all the time for a stretch. You know, you're trying to figure out how to do a new life without this habit that you've had. And so I think it's important for people to know if they've been through this devastating, any kind of betrayal, again, mm-hmm. whether it's addiction or hiding or pornography or an affair, that habit, you're, there's a time period where you're lingering, you're trying to create a new life without that habit in it. And that's definitely what was happening to me with the affair. You know, I we weren't in any kind of like flow state. Yeah. Of emotional connection again, because I'm still trying to figure out how to do life without this whole habit that I had given my heart to friendship, Mm -hmm. longing. Um, And so it is really different what vision looked like for us then um, and what vision looks like for us now. You know, and I think that's important for couples to know in every season, vision might look different. And when you're not emotionally connected, you can't even imagine like, what do you mean dream together about going on vacation? We don't even want to be around each other, you know, but you still have to start somewhere of, okay, where do we want to go this year? And then also like, I love that story Josh shared because that is the hope of our God. You know, the world is great at goals and it's good at following tracks and vision, but we have a God that truly can do anything he wants in a moment, but he also wants to know what's in our heart. You know, I don't know many listeners that also wanted llamas, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so like some of the stuff that's in you is just so unique to you. So God wants us to, to get, bring him that, to talk to him about that. And then for us as his children to remember that just around the corner, like, he can do anything in a moment, you know, and we can be a people of hope, of gratitude for wherever we are. Yeah. And I would say for listeners who are in a tough spot or maybe have just never really cultivated vision together of like, where are we going and who do we want to become? Like, man, being at ground zero is just a great place to start because the older we get, I've realized like, man, I've just had so many pursuits that I didn't realize in a season or decade for that matter, how much of my time, energy, mental and physical capacity, like how much of me it was going to take. And so if you're at a tender spot or just a spot of like, man, we've never done this, it's the best place to be because mm-hmm. you all throughout scripture, God would meet people at the end of their rope and and vision can essentially become the the rope that helps you climb out of whatever pit you know you might be in because it it gives you something to run after together to take hold of all God has for you. Mm-hmm. But the tendency for all of us is going to be to to settle for worldly things in a sense that aren't bad, but the job, the house, the car, the the possessions, the stuff that we can see, because oftentimes what you're wanting to build in your marriage is something you can't see yet. You know, it's yeah. a it's a hope. It's a a picture of us and what life looks like together or what we're doing or who we've become or you know, you, you can't get your hands on it as practically immediately. Yeah. 
So we've got to remember this hope that just around the corner, he can do anything. But the other thing when setting vision is that we, we got to hold fast to the fact that we've got to let him do a new thing. That's part of vision. So I want any professional or leader to think about the goals that you're setting for this year, the risk that you're having to take, um, the action steps that you're having to take to get to that new task, mountain, challenge, you're going to have to do some new things, right? If you continue to do this exact same thing, you're not going to get the new results that you're wanting. And the same is true in marriage. So we have to set new actions to be able to have a new marriage together. So last night we were with a couple and they're trying to figure out vision and they're in a devastating season, just like we were in the beginning. And she's saying, you know, one of the things I would love is if he would make dinner one night a week, take that pressure off of me. And you can see that he's thinking like, no, (laughs) I I do not want to do that. I don't know how to make dinner, you know, and that's not important to me, you know, and she's like, but it is important to me that we're sitting around the table. That's part of vision. So they have to talk about it together. And at the end of the day, you know, to show each other that you love, that you care, you're going to have to do these new rhythms, like, like making a dinner. So that's a small example, but the same is true in our lives even right now. So right now we're in a healthy season and we're moving into a new house. The house is on the street called River Oak. And we keep saying, this is a River Oak of Righteousness house. Like, what do we want to do in this new house? What do we want to leave behind? You know, what do we want to, what rhythms and culture do we want to set in this new house? And, and sometimes, which I will also add for all the guys, like that is a hundred percent a Katie question. Yeah. And so like of all the things that I would think on while (laughs) we had to pretty much gut this house, I'm like, he's like, I would like us to have electricity. Paint color. You know, like I have not once thought what, what patterns or behaviors are we going to leave behind as we move into the river Oak river Oak home? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. wow, that's a great question. <laughs> true. But I've never considered it. But, and one time Josh said he was going to write a book called let her lead. But what he meant was like, let her lead in culture, let her lead in, in mm. the, you know, these, these vision setting tendencies in the home. And it's not true for all women, but I will say even the Hebrew woman, you know, when she was tasked, the commandment was to light the candle for Sabbath. That was symbolizing like bringing the Holy Spirit into the home, being the spiritual leader of the home, being the nurturer, you know, of the home. So oftentimes it it is the woman who's saying, hey, this is what I, who I want us to be becoming. You know, this is, you may have a vision for, you know, what we're going to accomplish or where we're going to live. But the other person is thinking, I want to know who we're going to be on the other side of it. What's the, what, what will people feel when they come into our home? You know, so we're talking about those new things Mm -hmm. and letting ourselves dream about what that would look like. Like, you know, and he's having to go with it. Yeah. Which, which is really, really good (laughs) only because, um, and I don't know if this tends to be a man thing or, or what in, in couples, but, uh, me showing up for those conversations, like, man, I would never have the questions. I just wouldn't think about that, which is part of what makes the, uh, the format in the book so helpful is that it really just lays out a ton of questions for you to have some of these conversations with your spouse Mm -hmm. and family. But I think for a while I felt a sense of like, uh, inadequacy or I felt insecure that she had all these questions and vision and I didn't, didn't naturally. And so as soon as I could shake that off and just call that pride and insecurity and silly, like God's given us a 
a woman who very much cares about the culture of our home, the people we're becoming within our marriage. Like if, if you're the person like me that doesn't normally have all those questions or thoughts, like, Hey, that's great. But you've got to show up for the conversation because ultimately, especially as mm-hmm. the guy, you're still the head of the home. Your role in leading looks like participating, you know, mm-hmm. answering those questions, having those conversations. So, yeah. So, Katie, for you, was it always, you know, you're, the way you talk about it now, you know, moving into the new home, I can, I'm sure our listeners are saying, man, yeah, that sounds, I can see that vision. But some of the couples are probably stuck back in that place that you guys were years ago mm-hmm. when this was still new for you. Right. I mean, yeah. Josh, for you, you're you're coming around the corner and you see this new vision of the Grand Canyon. Katie's got the spiritual gift of sleeping. So she was probably asleep <laughs> in the car at the moment. Yeah, right. Dead asleep. So yeah. Dead asleep. yeah. But for you, even for you, Katie, it's not like you still weren't even there back then. Right. This was still you still had some moments that that you had to get past. For sure. And I, I will say this, you know, we were talking to this a couple about this last night is that you can feel in your marriage when somebody is preoccupied with using their vision muscle, their dreaming, their fulfillment outside of the marriage. And in the early days of our life, that was Josh with church, with work. He was using all of those strengths of where he wanted to go, dreaming about reaching the lost in this city, building skate parks. All of that was happening outside of the two of us. And I really wasn't in on it either. Um, I was doing my own thing. I was working full time at a school. And so I I don't want to get gender specific here, but even if a woman is a professional and she has is spending a lot of her time, energy and talents outside of cultivating the marriage, you can feel that in the marriage. And that happened to us. And so, you know, when that emotional distance happens and the enemy comes in for us, Part of it for me was just seeing him lay everything on the line to fight for us. Mm -hmm. And I realized like, oh, this is his highest priority. This is his vision and heart. The other side of him was just provider, you know, and he's thinking like, and also, you know, you can feel disrespect from the person who doesn't care about the fact that you are working so hard Mm -hmm. to provide, um, but so when we were going to rebuild, it wasn't like I was dreaming at this point because I was so broken. I wasn't dreaming of like, then we're going to take this family vacation and and then I would love for us to live overseas or be missionaries. All that was gone. But what I could see is, okay, he's given his heart and soul into this relationship. And that was enough to let me start to see, okay, maybe my emotions can return to him. At some point, you know, um, that's like the baby steps of where we're at. And I would say in that season, going back to your comment on behaviors, like vision looked like, all right, we want to have a, uh, a family meal every night. It's important for us to be around the table or we want to process the day and shake, shake it off together. And so every day, first thing we're going to do when mom gets home from work is go on a family walk down to the park, talk about the day, have a shared moment with the kids, you know. When she gets home from work, I want her to see that I've been thinking about her and care for her. Like I want her to feel served. And so mm-hmm. I would make cheese and cracker plates shaped like a heart or, a, you <laughs> know, like, and so it was, it was super basic behaviors yeah. done consistently that were building a, a new sense of home, a new measure of intimacy, a new, you know, so in the rebuild season, 
super basic behaviors, but again, they were things that we hadn't really done before. Yeah. So you can imagine somebody in pain has lost their job or the the couple that's broken in a season of brokenness, how much it takes to get outside of yourself to show up for the other person in that way. But what a vision, you know, and it was all new behaviors was incredible. Yeah. So for, uh, yeah, maybe this is practical. Let's get practical for a second for couples listening because for some listeners, they're they're still back at this other place. They're still back in Scottsdale, Arizona, um, mm-hmm. and they're not. They're it's almost overwhelming. I think probably for some listeners to think about creating vision for their life. So what you're saying is just start somewhere. Start start with baby steps, right? Yeah, I would say start with baby steps of you know the next. What about the next six months? What about in the next year? You know, what could we look forward to? What are we excited about? And then really build it on each other. Because just like we said, you know, um, I heard one time Jimmy and Irene Rollins say that you are each other's blueprint for building your marriage, you know, and there's nobody like Josh Walters in the world and there's nobody like me. And so you have to look at what do each other, you know, find fulfillment in, joy in, what do you need to have? We have questions that simple questions in the workbook about like, how do you, what's your ideal week? What are three things that you need to have an ideal week? Those things, those right actions will help you start to build in the vision of just where we're going in the next six months. One, we know we're going to stay together. You know, two, we know that God can do anything, that kind of thing. And then once you get that kind of short-term vision, you can start to look ahead of where do we stop dreaming together? Yeah. And a big part of it, I think the ideal week, some of those questions are so helpful only because there were, uh, I would say, personal and unique needs that Katie had that I wasn't actively serving or meeting. But then there were also basic biblical expectations that I wasn't getting practical with. And so husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, before this season, I wasn't heading into a week wanting to see, you know, you should, if you can look at my, my calendar and, and bank statement and see what matters to me. Right. And so like Mm -hmm. the, the, the proofs and the pudding question of marriage of like, okay, if I'm supposed to give myself up for her, where are the places on the calendar the behaviors that show I'm sacrificing for Katie. I'm adjusting my thoughts, my plans, my desires to help serve and meet her needs. Like, let me see that. And previously, before this tough season, I would have said like, man, I'm working as hard as I can. What do you mean? Like, I can't do anything else. But it was mm-hmm. it was running at work, managing rental property, finishing a master's. Like, it was just busyness and pursuits, but not actively building in our, in our marriage. And so I, I think some of it is very unique. Like the couple we talked to last night of, she just want, well, you cook dinner one night a week. Like it's a small thing that she wants to see him do something really practical and basic that's going to serve and meet a need of hers. So some of it's unique to the person, but some of it is also just really basic from, from scripture of getting really practical with what does it look like for me to apply this verse in our relationship? Mm-hmm. I love that your last, uh, your I think it's your last chapter in the book is titled "Your Best Days Are Ahead," and maybe it would be good for you to finish up this, you know, this little series that we've been doing. Hopefully, couples have really enjoyed this. Hopefully, they've picked up the book and the workbook. And again, we'll have links to all that in the show notes below. But guys, maybe just I don't know, just speak into the 
speak some life into the couples who are listening, who maybe are a little bit behind you guys on the journey. I mean, I, I hope people have really heard the hope and the mm-hmm. truth to this in your story that your best days are here. They're still ahead for you, but you're certainly at a better place now than you were, you know, five, 10 years ago. So speak to that for a few minutes here and really yeah. encourage our listeners. I think the the place to start with that is really each person, husband and wife, answering that that question. Do we believe our best days are ahead? Because in a lot of ways, it's it's really independent of your circumstances or a season that you felt really fond about and, and really comes down to a God question for each of you. Like, uh, he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. In no way does he desire a mediocre marriage for mm-hmm. any of you. Like, mm-hmm. ah, well, for Josh and Katie, they're not really going to be fun and flirty. They're not really going to have strong attraction for one another. But you know, so it's like he's not favoring some couples over others. It's like for each of us, man, he he wants us to have a rich, full and satisfying mm-hmm. marriage. And so in terms of believing your best days are ahead, that's not some like wishful thinking, but who our God is and a, a promise that each of us can hold on to. But it's I do think it's one that's important for each person to answer, like, do I really believe that God can do it, man, he will do it. He did it in us and I'm confident he can do it in, in any couple, but Mm -hmm. being able to answer, you know what? Yeah, I believe it. And I'm going to trust God for it. And we're going to go after it together. It's so true. You really can trust God with you. You can trust God with your marriage. You can trust God at his word that he um, will fight for us, that we can use these biblical Mm -hmm. principles and see him do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And, you know, for the couple that feels like they are standing on that rubble, you know, they're just standing on dirt after some kind of betrayal or hurt, or they they've just, it's been a slow burn to death, you know, that they're just standing there. What we found is that it is the best place to cultivate the garden of your love, because that's really what's happened with us, you know, over the past 16 years, um, since the, since 2008, our, you know, season of brokenness. We've had four more children. We watch God, you know, God authors the emotions of of passion and lust and love and butterflies in your stomach and all of that. He's the one that authors all of that. And not only was that restored to us, but so much more because has our story been up and to the right, you know, over the past 16 years? No, we've had plenty of hardships and trials and challenges, but we face them together all the while being, you know, really solidifying our love being the most important. You know, Mm -hmm. we say um, that 10 to two concept, like we try to treat our marriage, our love, this covenant, like a 10 and everything else like a two. And so through all the trials of life, as we've continued to cultivate this love, we've been able to see God just bring about the most incredible garden and fruitfulness in it. You know? Yeah. One of my favorite (laughs) pictures of that, really the first like attribute of God we see in scripture in Genesis one, in the beginning, he created like God as creator. And that word, uh, create, uh, is bara in Hebrew and literally means something from nothing. And mm-hmm. so in terms of a God who can speak the world into existence, who can separate the, the light and the darkness, the water and the land, it's like, man, there's so much power in his voice. And so to think that he could do that with his word, what could he do 
in your marriage? What could he do in your heart? You know, if you feel like there is nothing, there is nothing here. You know, we mm-hmm. used to be best friends. We used to love each other so much. And now, you know, you wake up years later and whether it's just because of life or some measure of, you know, an awful situation like ours, like, man, you can have hope and faith in the God who can speak something from nothing to rebirth emotion, rebirth relationship and and build something new together. So yeah, Josh, if you think about how God created to go back to that, that he, he created Genesis one, he created the environment, he created the conditions for humans to live in. And that's a good way, I think, to su- sort of summarize what you're talking about even is your, your, it's not just your marriage. It's, it's not just husband and wife. It's the conditions in which husband and wife can thrive, right? That's what yes. God did at creation. The sun, the moon, the, the plants, the animals, everything. And then so on the sixth day, he dropped man and woman there so that they could, so that they could thrive. And I think for so many yeah. people, maybe this is what you've learned in the last 20 years is, man, we really need to work a little bit more at creating the conditions in which our marriage and then even your own kids can thrive. Totally. Yeah. The, yeah. the, con- and that's such a perfect way to talk about it. And that so many of our Katie's family parents divorced when she was young. My dad was amazing. A Marine deployed much of my childhood. And so even in terms of setting the conditions, the environment for a healthy marriage, like, man, we both had really loving families, but neither were the, the picture of what we wanted to build together. And so in one sense, we didn't, that didn't come pre, you know, like, uh, wired in us. And so in that rebuilding season, yeah, it was really all about Mm -hmm. how do we create the environment to thrive? Yeah. And that's really what vision is too. You know, just like you're saying, it's saying, you know, where are we going and what kind of environment are we going there? You know, one of about eight years ago, we wanted to come up with our grandparent names. Uh, We had watched our grandparents just get the names, whatever the kid called them, like Kiki, which came out like doo-doo, Peepaw, you know, these weird names. And we were like, we're going to have potentially a lot of grandkids with seven children. We need to come up with these names. So we came up with the name Ruby and Bear and we tattooed it on our ring finger. But what it does is it allows us to dream about those years that are ahead. We'll say like, who are Ruby and Bear going to be? You know, what, where do they want to live? What is it going to be like to come home? It just gives us a longer term vision when you're in the weeds of life, you know, and And we start to look at, I want our kids to say that they were extravagantly loved. So how can we do that now? How can we, you know, work those things? And all of that is really is just like you're saying, it's just about cultivating the environment so that you can live in this abundant life that God's designed for you. You can protect yourselves from the enemy by walking according to his principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can dream about what's to come. You know, we we love the question now, like, wouldn't it be cool if? And so that you don't have just the practicality of life rob it from you of just, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this one day? Or, you know, and the truth is, like, you can create so much. You can create so much of the future with your language, with your words. You can create you know, things that you dream. God give, gave us so much authority and empowerment to do that. Um, but then also, I think, just to help everyone 
really let that hope be solidified, that anchor for your soul to be solidified that, you know, it tells us in the word, like behind the veil of heaven, that your best days are ahead because we get heaven, you know, and there's a lot of fears that I have about the future. I mean, I can tell Josh all the time, we talk about Ruby and Bear, but the truth is we're not promised those years. You know, what if I have all these grandkids alone? I'm like, listen, I'm too far in this thing. I've got seven kids. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't have a vision for having all these grandkids by myself. You've got to live, you know, and I'll act in fear, not letting them eat cheeseburgers and stuff like that, <laughs> trying to get them to, to live longer. But at the end of the day, once I take all those fears to the Lord and I realize that I'm going to get heaven and Jesus is going to be with me all along the way, you know, and that's the truth for any of the married couples listening to this. You can trust God with yourselves. You can trust God with your marriage. You can trust God with the days ahead and you can feel the freedom to dream, the vulnerability to dream and to, um, Mm -hmm. to come up with new things because he really does want you to have a new marriage. He wants you to grow into a new season with, um, the husband or wife of your youth, you know, the person that he's called you to. I will say one like last, just really helpful, practical thing is in the book, we kind of have a a format for a vision retreat. And I remember the first time several years ago, you know, just like you would prioritize health by going to the gym, like there's a place and behaviors to help you accomplish a goal. Mm -hmm. Um, For some couples, vision can just feel very foreign and like, what does this thing even look like? And so we planned a vision retreat and really just lay out um, some, some personal rules for how you act on it. All right, we're going to be positive. We're going to be forward thinking, uh, who we've been in the past or behaviors from the past doesn't have to determine where we're going in the future. So we kind of lay out, these are some attitudes we're going to walk into this weekend with Katie and I both identified, like, I'm going to need some fun and play. We can't just be sitting at a, at a, table and grinding out like that is just not going to be fun for me vision should be fun right it should be (laughs) exciting and so um it's just helpful to say okay we're going to get away for this weekend or we're going to get away for this this couple days here's a few personal needs i have what are some needs you have conversation some happened over a table and meal some happened kind of like a felt like a work meeting some we were out riding bikes and still talking but having the questions laid out and you committing to invest in the space and time was just a great first step, Mm -hmm. man. So much of our, our vision today comes from setting aside that time to look back to where did we get last year from what we had talked about? Did we become those people? Where did we drop the ball? And then starting to really dream into the future together. That's right. So that's a practical takeaway for couples as we finish up this series at PursueGod.org. I just want to encourage everybody, if for some reason you still haven't bought the book, we'll have a link below to the book, (laughs) New Marriage, Same Couple. You can find more resources at NewMarriageSameCouple.com. Get the workbook. Um, Keep keep pursuing this vision, this new vision for your marriage. And those the workbook and the book have, have all kinds of tools to help you so you're not on your own couples if you want to do it. And Josh and Katie Walters, thank you so much for leading us in this journey. And I know we're going to have you on the podcast some more in the future because you guys are just so easy to talk to and you've got so many great stories and insights. And I love that you've stuck it out, that you've committed, you know, your story. A lot of couples would have given up years ago and it's an inspiration to know uh, that you guys are making it work and it is a new marriage, same couple, but a new marriage for you guys. And that's an inspiration to everybody. 
Thank you, Brian, so much for having us. And we are so grateful just to be here and share and cannot wait to continue the conversation in times to come. Yeah. Thank you. So couples, if you want to get this series, again, if you missed this, if you want to find the series online, find it all on our family page, pursuegod.org forward slash family. We'll see you next time. Hey, listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we wanna make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit pursuegod.org forward slash donate.